In this episode of The Data Show, I spoke with Jason Dye, CTO of Big Data Technologies at Intel, and also my co-chair for Strata Hadoop World Beijing. Jason and his team are prolific and long-standing contributors to the Apache Spark project. When I predicted in early 2017 that this would be the year when the big data and data science communities would start exploring techniques like deep learning in earnest, I also knew at that point that uh, Jason and his team were working on a distributed deep learning library for Apache Spark called BigDL. So we'll talk about BigDL and uh, Jason's many other projects. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome to the O'Reilly Data Show. I'm your host, Ben Lorica, here today with my good friend, Jason Dye of Intel, who is the program co-chair of Strata Beijing, and he just gave a talk here at Strata Singapore. Welcome to the Data Show, Jason. So first, I wanted to introduce you to our audience by going over some of uh, your group's early work in Spark. So let's start with uh, when and why did you get interested in Spark? Well, we actually have been working with AmpLab in UC Berkeley since about 2012, when Spark is still a research project in the lab. And at that time, we have been working with a lot of large cloud service providers, uh, some very large internet companies, to build out the next generation of big data analytics, including real-time stream processing, uh, in-memory, very low-latency interactive queries, as well as uh, the very complex uh, analytics, uh, including machine learning. And at the time, uh, Spark actually provides uh, very good technologies for us to build on those uh, advanced uh, next-generation analytics on Hadoop platform. So two, two questions there. One, uh, most people wa- watching or listening to this will probably wonder, Intel and software, what's going on? So well, why are you guys working on, uh, on uh, big data and software and not on hardware? Well, Intel actually has been doing a, has been doing a lot of efforts on the software already. We are a big believer and adopter of open source software. We are the major contributor for Linux, for instance, for the virtualization software and so on. And we are actually one of the probably among the top four contributors for the, all those open source big data projects in Apache. So let's put this in context. Twenty twelve. So probably just like me, you were using Hive, Pig, maybe Mahout. So what did you see in Spark and what, uh, what prompted you to put more work into Spark? Yeah, I mean, uh, we actually have been started working on, say, Hadoop, the Hadoop platform, the Hadoop ecosystem since maybe 2007, 2008. And we have been working with a lot of our customers, especially the large cloud service providers on their big data system. And at that time, we see there is, well, Hadoop is great, but then we see there is a trend that people want to, so at that time, we consider the next gen of analytics, real-time streaming, low latency in memory, and also the iterative advanced machine learning. And those are actually new technologies. Actually, Spark provided a very it's a great technology that actually shows very promising at that time to support the type of new analytics. But let's be honest here. 2012, that was very early in terms of Spark. I, I remember using Spark probably around that time as well. And I heard about uh, what your group was doing uh, in terms of uh, providing more stability, scalability to Spark. But uh, so 
this is 2012, there was still a lot of uh, rough edges around Spark, right? So can you describe some of the, 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 the early efforts that, that came out of uh, that group in Shanghai? Yeah, we, we actually have been working very closely with the people in AMP Lab at that time. Um, doing a lot of uh, work, trying to basically contribute to the Spark project. I mean, we launched the, actually the first version of native-based shuffle in Spark. We launched the... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, launched, we also launched the fair scheduler for Spark and the young customer, better, better support of running Spark on Young and so on. So we actually did a lot of work together with the Amplab guys, with the Spark community people, and to improve Spark. Actually, we, today we are probably among the top three contributors for Spark. So I think of your group as very pragmatic and not necessarily just a, a research group, right? So, so when you describe some of the things you did, I imagine you were doing this because you needed to help some users. Yes. So at that time, I mean, we ha actually have been always working with many of our large customers. Some of them are large internet companies. Some of them are large enterprises in, you know, financial or, or, or manufacturing and so on. And we work with them on a lot of their advanced big data and, and analytics problem. So today you gave a talk about machine learning. And, uh, you know, since I've known you for several years, I know you've always been interested in machine learning. But is that, do you consider yourself machine learning person by background or more of a systems guy? Well, I think I'm more of a system people who try to do efficient uh, large-scale machine learning on top of those large distributed uh, system big data frameworks. So th the things you talked about today um, and uh, the work that uh, this group in Shanghai has done around Spark since 2012, how has it changed? It seems like now you guys are more focused on machine learning. Is that correct? Yeah. If you look at the trend, I mean, we... we, we, we but we have been working on the big data problems with our customers for a long time. And if you look at the trend of, of the big data system, the problem our, our customers, our users have, they typically start with, I have a lot of data. How, how do I deal with it? How do I store them? How do I process them? And then the next question is, well, I have my data stored. I want to do something about it. How, how do I analyze the data, mine the data, maybe in SQL? And then how can I do it in a more real-time fashion, whether streaming or interactive? And then later on, I have figured that part out a little bit. Then the next step, I really, how can I build some advanced analytics using machine learning, graph analytics, maybe deep learning, to build models on that, to, to, do, some, to do some predictive analytics. So let's set aside deep learning for a second, and uh, let's put in context what you discussed today in your talk about with it, when it comes to just, let's say, traditional machine learning. So what are you working on and how does it fit into like MLlib and the other things that exist within Spark? Yeah, there are roughly two types of work in this area. First is really so the advanced large-scale distributed machine learning algorithms. We are we actually a major contributor for Spark MLlib. On top of that, we have been working with a lot of those, again, those large cloud service providers to build those new advanced machine learning algorithms on top of Spark. So the so goal is really to address one of the unique challenges of those big customers. I mean, they typically need to deal with the problem scale, uh, either in terms of data size or model dimension, which are oftentimes the orders of magnitude larger than the 
current existing open source implementation can support. And uh, we have been working with them um, doing implementing various new technologies of optimizations, such as how do you leverage the data sparsity, how do you leverage in-time care, for instance, to actually deliver those new algorithms, which can, 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 can deliver those type of other magnitude improvement in scalability. So let's uh, make this concrete, right? So let's take something like logistic regression. Let's, uh, let's assume that you guys implemented log logistic regression for this use case, where it's a lot more variables, a lot of sparsity. So I guess what I'm taking from what you're saying is it still makes sense to have the regular logistic regression in MLlib, which covers 95, 97% of the needs of the Spark users and have this more special. Yeah, I mean, for, for a lot of me, the log well, as I mentioned, there is a logistic implementation in MLlib, which works well for probably most, most of the use cases out there. But uh, for a lot of those uh, large users, they need to deal with very extremely large scale problems. It's actually important to implement this type of maybe special optimized algorithms, but uh, which can address some of their unique challenges. So I'm assuming that when you have this type of parallel algorithm, right? So you have got the regular logistic uh, regression in MLlib and then your implementation. I'm assuming the API is the same. Yes. And then, so um, how easy is it for people to take advantage of your work? So yeah. what, what do they need to do? Where, where, where can they download these things? Yeah. We actually implement, well, our work is actually all open source. So we are actually contributing to MLlib in a bigger way. So a lot of our new algorithms actually went into MLlib. For instance, we implemented an online idea, which eventually went into MLlib. And then there is algorithms that we implemented as a standard Spark package. So you can go to the Spark package website and find them. And it's actually hosted on GitHub, so people can actually download them and use that in the application. So at a high level, what are the most popular algorithms in this Spark package? Well, there is a set of algorithms which leverage data sparsity, including logistic regression, also the linear solvers. And then there is something like uh, clustering and so on. And then there are a set of algorithms which you're doing the large-scale distributed graph analytics. For instance, we're doing those LDA and so on, built on top of graph the analytics. Topic models. Yeah, topic modeling. And, uh, yeah, in, in your talk, you, you threw out some crazy stat about the number of topics, right? So yeah. that some of your customers have, yeah. right? So yeah. What yeah. was it? Like, was it millions? Yeah, millions of topics. Yeah. And yeah, there's there, there a set of algorithms we actually leverage in-time care to do a lot of speed up on Intel performance. So at what point did you start getting interested in deep learning? Because... This is, I, so to the audience out there, so my prediction is next year will be the year when deep learning becomes much more usable to the regular data scientists instead of the uh, people interested in uh, AI or the deep learning experts, right? So part of it might be TensorFlow, part of it could be tools like uh, what Jason is about to talk about here, but when did you start getting interested in deep learning? Yeah, I think um, we have been always working with our customers on their analytics and the machine learning application. And in the last um, probably more than one year, we, 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 we have observed that those deep learning or AI-based technology and solutions are increasingly being adopted by our users. And uh, for instance, we have been working with a very large manufacturing customer to build the image recognition pipelines, which use a lot of the convolutional neural network technologies. 
and we're also working with some very large financial companies. So they would have data. Uh, they would have data in a big data stack, and, and then have a pipeline, and then at the end apply some deep learning library. Yeah, they basically they will have the data, which is most image high resolution image in their big data platform cluster, and then have the pipeline to process the data and then run those, and then going through a unit convolution unit network model and get the result and then feed the result into some other pipelines to produce the end and end, end the result for the application. But then uh, in the course of that, they will have to install more software and maybe if they're using GPUs, another cluster. Well, I think uh, for this particular user, I think they are quite really, they, well, they want to do that on their particular platform. But yes, they don't have actually a lot of tools for them to actually efficiently doing that type of processing. So let's talk about the other thing you uh, mentioned in your talk today, which is big DL. By the time this uh, episode comes out, it will be open source and it might already be publicly announced by Intel. But this, what is Big DL? Well, in essence, Big DL is essentially another Spark library. It is a distributed deep learning library on top of Spark. It is implemented as a standalone library or Spark package. And uh, with Big DL, the uh, developers can write their deep learning algorithms and standard uh, Spark programs or Spark jobs, and which can run a- on any existing Hadoop cluster or Spark cluster. So let's take a step back. Why not just use the existing deep learning libraries? Well, I, I think there is a lot of great libraries out there. Cafe, TensorFlow, Touch, Neo, and to name a few. But I think on one hand, I mean, I, I think AI and deep learning still in its infancy. There are a lot of work on improvement actually needed. I mean, Intel is doing a lot of optimization for all those frameworks and uh, achieving significant other magnitude improvement in terms of performance on Intel platform. And uh, Big Deal is trying to address another gap to try to bridge the, the deep learning community and the big data community so that we can in, in a, make, make deep learning technologies more accessible to those big data users, big data uh, data scientists who can actually just write the big data applications, uh, including deep learning algorithms, and on their existing big data cluster. So, in terms of details, this is distributed, right? So, it's uh, distributed in synchronous gradient descent, right? It's a distributed synchronous mini batch SGD. Okay. And how does training time compare with a single node GPU? one of these existing uh, libraries that you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, first of all, it actually leverages a lot of the optimization, for instance, in time care on a single node. Then we see uh, actually other magnitude performance improvement compared to open source, out-of-box different frameworks like Cafe, or Touch, or TensorFlow on a single node ZM. So, it, it, of course, it really depends on what uh, algorithm, what new network technology you are using. But uh, for some of the very large convolutional neural network trained train on image net data, we see up to 40x, 48x, 50x speed up uh, on a single node today. And then we can efficiently distribute that scale out across the cluster using the Spark architecture. We are built on Spark, so it's actually efficiently scaled out and with also the nice properties of fault tolerance, uh, elasticity, you know, dynamic resource sharing, and so on. 
So you have synchronous mini batch gradient descent. So is that in the kind of the is there a master? And um, we are not. We are actually implementing a R reduced type of uh, communication on top of Spark. So basically, there is uh, in Spark there is currently two type of communication. One is broadcast. The other type of is actually a, a shuffle type of network communication. Uh, we are implementing a new uh, communication pattern or a, a shared variable, which is built on top of block manager and uh, have a, the, the, the already type of semantics. It's actually, if you look at it in detail, it's actually similar to both broadcast and the shuffle combined in some fashion, but we are implementing these new capabilities. So let's take two group of users and ask you uh, different questions about them, right? So first, the uh, practicing data scientist who's not uh, familiar with deep learning. Will Big DL ship with some example architecture so they can use, let's say, for images and for text? Yeah, we have bu also built various models. Uh, some are image-based, some are natural language processing-based models available. And there are examples you can load, I mean, pre-trained models, say from Touch or Cafe, you can load that model and use that in big deal in a distributed fashion. Interesting. Um, so in, so I'm not sure how closely you follow TensorFlow, but they have this tool called TensorBoard. So is there an equivalent thing in big deal? Well, Intel is actually working on a tool called DLSDK, which does a lot of those very useful um, tasks for the for the developer, and we will work, be working with the DL SDK. Um, and now for so so that's the uh, data scientist new to deep learning. Have you uh, folks approached uh, people who are deep learning experts and showed them what you are working on? Yeah, I think uh, we actually have been talking to a lot of people who are already a deep learning user, and uh, I think the way we can we can essentially scale out across a, a large cluster, and then we can run it directly on top of a big data platform where data resides. It's actually something very attractive to those uh, type of users. So the idea is it's going to be open source. There will be some announcements. But uh, based on our previous conversations, actually, there's already some production users, right? So maybe without naming company names, you can just briefly describe some use cases for big DL. Yeah. I mean, just as we discussed, there is a large manufacturing customer we have been working with. They are taking pictures, high-resolution pictures from their manufacturing pipelines, and they would like like to look at the picture, automatically detect defects in their products. So we have been building this end-to-end DL-based analytics pipeline using InSpark, using both. Big deal and the Keystone ML, which which is a pipeline from right, the MLAB. Right, 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 right. And uh, basically, it's it's it. Uh, uh, and we can see it. I mean, any this type of, this type of deep learning or AI powered applications is actually a very complex pipeline. In addition to those uh, machine learning models or deep learning models, you have many different other components. For instance, you need to do a lot of data management. In this case, is a large volume of high high resolution pictures. And then you need to do a lot of the feature transformation. So we take those pictures, we will do parallel proposal extraction. Basically, those proposals are small regions in the picture which are of interest to, to, to the problem. 
And then we, once we extract the proposals, we pass through a standard image transformation process, like um, green scale, normalization, and so on. And then once we get those uh, proposals pre-processed, we will pass it through the convolution neural network model we built on top of BigDL. So then you, you user can do either training or prediction if you already trained on the model, and then you get a label of for each of those proposals. After that, we need to combine those the labels of the proposals from each image and uh, generate a bounding box, which actually contains the identified defects in the in the picture. So this is actually an end-to-end analytics pipeline uh, built with those deep learning and deep learning technologies and uh, delivers the so-called AI solution for our customers on, running on top of a big data platform. So then uh, for the actual deep learning fans, uh, do you implement things like the inception architecture? Yeah, we actually have the inception architecture. We have been, I think we have been, well, I think by the time of launch, we will be, the, we will also have the ResNet architecture. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, then there is uh, various, uh, uh, say, sequence-to-sequence type of model for, for natural language processing and so on. I mean, we, um, in so terms LSDM. Yeah, so, something like that. In terms of uh, deep learning functionalities, we will be feature parity with uh, the existing deep learning frameworks like Kafka Touch. So you, hopefully you can do all those crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff in deep learning. So you mentioned a use case involving images, mm-hmm. but most regular data scientists don't deal <laughs> with images. Are there use cases that uh, they can relate to using a- either regular structured data or unstructured text? Yeah, we have also been working with a very large financial company to build an end-to-end fraud detection pipeline using BigDL and uh, the Spark ML pipeline. So basically, uh, in that, that case, you get a lot of raw data from either online transaction logs or mobile transaction logs, as well as a lot of profiles, the user profiles, the merchandise profile stored in the traditional database. So you, you pull the data from either structured or unstructured text, and uh, you're doing a lot of feature transformations and feature engineering in this case. Actually, you need to do a lot of feature engineering because uh, Typically, in this type of problems, the fraud will be a very, very a tiny <laughs> fraction of the data. So you do a lot of the resampling of the data, and we are building an ensemble of over, I think, 10 to 20 independent neural network models. Each one is built on top of a big DL. And uh, the, the pipeline does the, all the training, as well as the a automatic grid search, try to find the right number of um, new networks, the right uh, hidden layers for new networks the right strategies to, to, to combine those models and so on. And then at the end of the day, it will deliver the fraud detection results to our customers. So let's put big DL in the context of the other algorithms that your group has worked on. So, so now my, I'm a data scientist. You know, I'm used to thinking of things in terms of a pipeline from data acquisition, data wrangling, maybe some uh, exploratory data analysis and then modeling. So now... Then I have to install big DL and then this other set of uh, algorithms. Is that right? So th- those are two separate libraries. Well, I mean, um, we are actually deeply integrated with the Spark stack. So it's uh, essentially you can think of it as another library. You have the Spark SQL, you have um, MLLib, then you have this big DL, which is implemented as the Spark package. So as long as you have the Spark stack, 
And, the and then, then there's this other library, which is this large-scale machine learning. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then you can you, you, you can write, as I mentioned, when you're working on a Spark, Spark stack, and you can write a, a, a standard Spark program using other libraries, as well as the data frames, ML pipelines inside Spark. And then you can actually write the deep learning applications or algorithms as part of your standard Spark program. And it runs on top of existing Hadoop cluster and Spark cluster. And we are running on top of Intime Care. But we will be packaged with Intime Care so that you actually don't, do not need to change the configuration or pre-install anything on your cluster. It will automatically manage it by, by the library. So you also manage a bunch of people. So based on your experience, if you have a data scientist who's never worked on deep learning, you give them access to Big DL. What kind of learning curve is involved in terms of familiarizing themselves with? Uh... Yeah, in terms of the API, uh, well, the, first of all, it's a standard uh, Spark program, so uh, you can use all the standard Spark API like DataFrame or uh, RDD, and uh, then there is a deep learning specific uh, functionalities, which is the way it's implemented today is very similar to Touch, so it's uh, so it's actually. Familiar to me. So you'll need to have good documentation with examples. Yeah, and then you will go to the other other examples, which will show you the basic. Uh, I mean, some of the image type. I mean, Inception being yeah. one example, and all those examples. And uh, yes, we are working very hard on the documentation, <laughs> try to make sure everyone actually gets a quick start technology. Speaking of which, so uh, big DL. Uh, so now we're talking uh, er very early December 2016. Uh, what is the current status? And by that I mean, uh, for example, who's, are there people contributing besides Intel at this point? Yeah, as I mentioned, we are working with uh, some of the customers and uh, they are building, we, we are working with them to build out the pipelines and solution on top of that. And uh, many of the customers actually are contributing uh, their their the unique <laughs> algorithms or layers actually to the to the project. Oh, so some of these uh, algorithms for customers will also be open source. Yeah, some of the, uh, some of the key foundations of the algorithms they will actually contribute to the project. So then the plan is to actually open source it by the end of 2016, and then uh, really announce it in January. So what is on the technical roadmap of Big DL for 2017? Well, I think uh, that's actually there are two, roughly two types of work. One is performance. We always want a better performance. And for that part, we can actually leverage a lot of the Intel grid work, including like MKDNN, Nomara Graph, and so on. So that we can leverage that type of work and further improve our performance. And the other type of work is really, we want to make those DL computing, the DL technology more accessible to the big data use the data scientists in a way democratize those DL computing. So we will provide much better support for those type of for our deep for our big data communities, including Python support, including better integration with data frames and so on. So at this point it's only Scala. At this point it's implemented Scala, yes. Alright, so I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question, which is we're talking deep learning, but isn't deep learning about GPUs? <laughs> well, I would say AI is still in its infancy. Deep learning is a subset of AI, and today Xeon servers, 
with GPU are being used for. And in particular, GPGPU has been applied, and I would say... So you mean general purpose GPU? Uh, gem, uh, yeah, basically general, general program on GPU. It has been applied in a opportunistic fashion, I, I would say, for deep learning computing. But I don't think it is fundamentally advantageous or optimized for, for the deep learning computing. Actually, we at Intel have been working very hard to deliver a consistent architecture from edge to data center. For instance, our Navara platform portfolio, and we we are I think we will deliver 100x speed up by 2020 through all those deep learning specific optimizations and technologies. And so, what what if you were to make a prediction, just like I did? Do you think uh, we're at the point where deep learning is going to be used by kind of the strata audience, the big data and data science community. Yeah, I think this is a trend. I mean, just as back in 2012, we see a lot of people want to build their next gen index, which is real-time streaming um, machine learning. We, we increasingly have observed the trend of people get interested in to deep, what, what deep learning and AI can achieve, can bring to their solutions. The, I think people are very interested, and uh, some of the early adopters have begun to explore in it. Actually, just uh, uh, we'll end shortly here, but just to close the loop, you kept talking about MKL. Some of our listeners and viewers may not be familiar with MKL. So explain why MKL is important and significant to this whole deep learning. Yeah, MKL stands for Mass Kernel Library. It is a very high-performance, probably one of the most <laughs> fastest math library on Intel platform. And uh, we have been leveraging MKL very heavily on, uh, to, in our deep learning libraries because it provides very fast math computation. In addition to that, it is building a deep learning extensions. The MKLDN will be open source. I, I think it's actually already been open source. And uh, it will provide uh, extensions for deep learning type of computing, which is optimized on Intel platform. Well, this has been great. Thank you, J Jason Dai, and we hope to see more of Big DL at, at Strata Plus Hadoop World in 2017. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. As I mentioned earlier, Jason Dai is my co-chair for Strata Plus Hadoop World Beijing. Our call for proposals is open through February 24th. Go to strataconf.com. You can find Jason Dai's work at github.com slash intel-analytics. We now have over 80 free reports on many topics in data science, big data, and AI. They cover trends, tools, techniques, and applications. Go to o'reilly.com slash data slash free for a complete list of our free reports. Thank you for joining us. If you like the show, you can subscribe through iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn.com or SoundCloud and never miss an episode.